You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of the 1984 film, Amadeus. Are we going to appall you with something confidential and disgusting? Let's hope so, because that is what you really like. Unconfessed crimes of buried wickedness. If that is what brings you to us, the prospect of hearing horrors, you shall not go unrewarded. I don't believe it. The whole city is talking. You hear it all over. What a story. What a scandal. What a comedy. What a tragedy. Incredible. I don't believe it. Who can believe it? What horrors have you heard? Tell us. Tell us. Tell us at once. Tell us about Wolfgang. Amadeus. Mozart. Mozart. Mozart? (laughs) How good is he, this Mozart? He's remarkable. He's an unprincipled, spoiled, conceited brat. I'm a vulgar man. But I assure you, my music is not. He is divinely inspired. He is arrogant, vulgar, obscene. He creates music for the gods. He is passionate. He burns with fire. He is an angel. He is a devil. He claimed he'd been poisoned. Some said he accused a man. Some said the man was Salieri. Salieri? Salieri. I don't believe it. All the same. Could it be possible? Did Salieri do it after all? Did he murder Amadeus? Amadeus, the man, the music, the magic, the madness, the murder, the mystery, the motion picture. Amadeus, everything you've heard is true. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Amadeus, and the story is as follows. The life, success, and troubles of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, as told by Antonio Salieri the contemporary composer who was insanely jealous of Mozart's talent and claimed to have murdered him. The film is starring F. Murray Abraham, Tom Hulse, Elizabeth Betteridge, Simon Callow, Roy Dotris, Christine Ebersole, Jeffrey Jones, Charles Kay. It is directed by Milos Forman, written by Peter Schaefer. Joining me for this review, I have... Josh Parm. Hello, hello. And Katie Schaefer. Hello. And this is our last Best Picture podcast review for the month of November, chosen by you, the NBP community. You guys specifically chose this film as our prelude to The Favorite, which we'll be releasing later this month. A film that myself, Katie, and Josh have all seen already, uh, but this is... Well, Josh, I know you've seen Amadeus. I've seen Amadeus. Katie, I'm not sure. Was this your first time seeing Amadeus? Oh, no. No, I watched this. I watched this as a really young kid, and I've watched it a few times since then and recently for this. Gotcha. Okay, so we've all seen Amadeus, and it's interesting because I think part of the reason why this was uh, put up there um, as the film linked to the favorite is because of the time period and also because of the professional rivalry between Salieri and Mozart, something that 
has been played up to legend and obviously dramatized for this movie here, but is not something that's entirely true to life. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but the late great Milos Foreman uh, decided to bring uh, the adaptation of the stage play Amadeus by uh, Peter Schaefer um, to the screen in 1984. And it was a big hit with the Academy Awards, winning Best Picture, uh, which we will go on to discuss later on in this episode. But right now, Josh Parm, I know you have a lot to say about this one. I know you were excited when it won out the poll here. Broad strokes, my man, broad strokes. What did you think of Amadeus? <laughs> yeah, well, if you pay a little bit of attention, uh, you probably know that I have a lot of strong feelings about this movie. Uh, I love it. I think it is the second greatest Best Picture winner ever, second to The Godfather, in my opinion. Uh, I think this movie is just incredible. Just everything that you can think of that goes into making a movie is on display here and just done so in an extraordinary way. The performances are excellent. Milos Forman's direction of just bringing this whole material together is incredible. I love the script. There's just such great dialogue and character work in this movie. You know, it's borrowed music, but it's music uh, that is used effectively throughout the entire film. It's so impeccably put together. I love this movie. I think it's great. It's one of my all-time favorites. Absolutely think it's fantastic. Katie, what about you? What do you think of Amadeus? Well, I I rewatched it recently after not having seen it for several years, and I was shocked at how many scenes I just remembered, like, whole cloth, and mm -hmm. was just like, oh, this is happening, this is coming, and it was... But this time around, I noticed, instead of this captivating story that totally got into my brain when I was younger, I saw the gorgeous cinematography, the lush sets, the notice the nuances that the actors bring to it. And like, I was able to appreciate it on a whole different level. And it was just a, a, a delight to watch. Like the last one I got that much enjoyment out of watching like this was Barry Lyndon, another period piece, although by Kubrick. Um, and yeah, I, I gotta say, I'm really excited to talk about this with you guys. Yeah, and I, I saw Amadeus when I was doing my uh, Best Picture watch uh, in my college years. I was attempting to watch every single Best Picture winner of all time. And of course, Amadeus came up on the list. I was very excited to watch it because um, I had actually seen One Flew Over to Cuckoo's Nest uh, prior to seeing Amadeus, didn't see it the other way around. And I liked One Flew Over to Cuckoo's Nest a lot. And I thought to myself, well, if Milos Forman won Best Director a second time for this movie, and it won even more Oscars than One Flew Over to Cuckoo's Nest, this movie must be fantastic. And the poster also struck me. I thought it was very odd and dark and at the same time just uh, sort of uh, captivating and alluring. And I just had this like mysterious feeling about like, what is this movie about? And I had no idea it was about actually Mozart because at the time I actually I didn't put two and two together that it was Amadeus Mozart. Like I, I didn't actually like know that. I knew it was like Wolfgang was his first name at the time. I don't know. Listen, I, I just didn't know. And so when I watched it, I sat down and I was like, oh, it's a movie about uh, Wolfgang Mozart. OK, all right. This is interesting. And then I started doing some reading later and I found out like, oh, this is not necessarily uh, a truthful movie. It's heavily dramatized for the screen. But man, oh man, what a captivating movie that even at three hours long, and I say three hours long because I know the theatrical cut is two hours, 41 minutes long. I personally have never seen the theatrical cut. I have only ever seen 
the director's cut of this mm-hmm. film with the 20 minutes actually added in. Um, before I go any further in my thoughts, has anyone here ever seen the theatrical cut? I have seen the theatrical cut. It's been a while because um, I first saw this movie in middle school, actually, during a music class that I had. The teacher wanted us to see it. And after that, I remember renting the movie and I saw the theatrical cut. But then I went out and bought the film. I got the director's cut. So I've seen the theatrical version, but it has been a very long time. Yeah, I I suppose like, you know, for me, Kingdom of Heaven director's cut, Lord of the Rings extended edition, like the extended cut of Amadeus for me personally will always be the definitive cut, I suppose. Um, That is what I'm going to be basing uh, my thoughts and my review off of here. Um, And I do think that there is especially an important scene involving Salieri and uh, Amadeus's uh, wife, uh, Con, I can never say her name right. Uh, Constanza. Constanza or Costanza? I think it's Constanza. Costanza, okay. Yeah, she's Viennese, so. Yep, there's a very, very important scene involving those two characters. I think that's uh, very pivotal and also works its way into the themes um, and the characterization of Salieri in a major way. So uh, with that said, I think this film is so lush. Just from the visuals to the music to the technical aspects that are on display with the makeup, the editing, the sound. Like, this film has it all. And these are the kind of films that I gush over the most is when every single element of the craft of filmmaking is on display, not just with the things that immediately catch our eye, like acting, writing, um, but, you know, the little tiny details that go into making a movie, the costumes, uh, the set design – this film has it all. And, you know, Josh, you were bringing it up before the music. There is no original score for this film. Instead, all the music is from the, the, the most influential composer, like, of all time, <laughs> you know? So, of, of course, the bar is extensively high, but this movie, even on countless rewatches, I, I've seen it, I, I had to have seen it at least 10 times, I think, at this point. This is a movie that it, its length at three hours long might be one of the quickest three-hour watches every single time I watch it. It is just so entertaining, so mysterious, and so gripping. And we're going to get into all the reasons why with this. But I want to just first and foremost address that, the pacing of this movie. It, it's exceedingly rare. I mean, I see some movies nowadays that are two and a half hours long and they feel like they go on for forever. This is three hours long and this film holds you the entire way through. Uh, Does does everyone here agree or disagree? Definitely agree. And on both counts, some two and a half hour movies now feel like, okay, I've been here for three days. And this movie is, you watch it and it just time flies by because you're just so caught up in what's happening and what's going on and things are constantly changing Mm -hmm. well there you go i think that's what it is things are constantly changing the story keeps on evolving the characterization of uh both amadeus and salieri gets deeper and deeper um as the sabotage so to speak of uh the mechanizations of salieri's plans um, kind of goes a little bit deeper into his relationship with Amadeus. I'm gonna just call him. I'm gonna call him Amadeus throughout this whole uh, review, even though he gets called Wolfie and Wolfgang and Mozart and so on and so forth. But I'm just gonna call him Amadeus. It'll be easier for me that way. I'll probably mess that up, but whatever. Um, 
in any event, I, I do find that the story, to your point there, it, it does keep evolving as it's going. And it keeps you on the edge of your seat because you don't know actually where it's going to go next because we're not really playing so much with uh, the truth in this movie. It is heavily uh, fictionalized. The only thing that we know for sure is that the movie starts off with um, us knowing that Amadeus is dead. And it's all about a how do how do how do we get there? The movie attempts to show us that uh, step by step through this time in both men's lives. Mm, yeah, I mean, it, the whole kind of conceit of the film is hearing this story through an unreliable narrator. You're getting these flashbacks that Salieri uh, is describing to this other character, but. Salieri himself is a very complex person, and he is consumed with a lot of guilt, but he's also very smart and a bit conniving in the way that he presents himself. So you can even look at this entire story as something that could be this combination of truth and falsities, but that's sort of what consumes him as a person himself, because he kind of has to do that just to survive in the world. He's also delusional, too, because this takes place... Uh, this timeline, at least, where he's confessing to the priest what may or may not have happened to Amadeus. You said before guilt. You know, it's been years, and he's had a lot of time to reflect and think on uh, this time in his life. And I do believe that there is a bit of delusionment that uh, kind of comes along with that in terms of how he embellishes the story, especially. I mean, I mean, just recounting the moments where he remembers the music oh. and when he starts talking about not just his own music, but Amadeus Mozart's music oh. and oh, yeah. that just level of expression. Oh, it's like music is something that we hear, obviously, but what Milos Foreman, F. Murray Abram do in this movie is they make you feel the music which is not an easy thing to do in cinema. No. no. And I think the scene that that really was cemented for me, which is maybe five, ten minutes into the film, when he's the when the priest comes in to interview him and he's sitting in that chair and he starts his recounting and then you see him, the scene quick transitions to him conducting the orchestra, Salieri, mm. and then it transitions, like it fades back into, you know, current Salieri and he's holding his arms in the exact same position and the camera is in <clears throat> positioning him in the exact same place and it's just a it's a perfect shot and it you can tell from that and from Abraham's face and everything you can feel how he feels conducting that music and that was the point when I was like oh this is so much better than I remember stylistically because you're right. It's so hard to capture the joy of music and how how musicians feel when they're composing, when they're playing, when they're conducting. And Foreman just absolutely does it so well in Amadeus. Mm. Oh, God, I love that scene so much. Just hearing you describe it just puts a big smile on my face. <laughs> uh, the other scene that I think really encapsulates that is when he first uh, sees Mozart. And he goes up to his sheet music just to see the composition. And he's describing that composition to the priest. And it, it, it manages to explain music in a way that I think for people that don't necessarily understand how 
you know, the nuances of how it works, it does it in such a great way. And just him explaining how the movements in the music evolve and you hear the pieces of the music play over his description of it. It's just such an incredible piece of filmmaking from like the acting to the sound work and just the editing. It's everything is so great about that moment. And it, you can find it in the entire film. I almost wonder if like Milos Foreman was like off camera uh, because obviously when, you know, Salieri is looking at the sheets of music the voiceover is playing over that. I almost wonder if, like, Milos Foreman, as he's, like, directing Salieri, he's like, all right, you're looking at the pages. Now I want you to feel all the feelings in the world. <laughs> like, like, I could just, like, imagine, like, the, the off-camera direction of, like, oh, now you're going to orgasm and drop the pages. <laughs> like, More natural. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, and- I got to give it to him because composers have like the hardest job in the musical world. And especially now, like when that kind of music is not well known or necessarily popular with general audiences, like it's a it's very hard to get people invested in this is how composers think this is how they put the music together and I have a friend who's a composer and she also like I think her and I've talked about this movie and she said that that it does a great job of really bringing all of the different pieces together so that you as someone who doesn't have that knowledge can see it uh, like you can see the the, me- the mechanics behind it because it's hard to get invested in it if you don't have at least a little bit of knowledge but giving that knowledge especially on film and not making it dry and boring is really hard. And in just that one scene that you talked about, Josh, Foreman does it all. That's all we need to understand. Oh, okay. This is how they envision it in their head. And this is how they get it down on the paper. And I'm going to, I'm going to jump around actually a little bit here because I think the ever scene that really, really encapsulates that other than when you're actually watching the performances on the stage being done by uh, the performers with the dances and the costumes, and they, they play out for pretty significant amount of time on screen. Uh, The scene that I think it's one of the best scenes I've ever seen in a movie. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> it's a scene where he's on his deathbed and they're composing the music together mm. because what's so incredible about that scene is not just the way that uh, Tom Hulse's performance as he's acting out uh, what the instruments are doing and how F. Murray Abraham is trying to keep up with him and write down what he's saying and he's both enamored frustrated that he he doesn't have like he he can't comprehend this man's mind he can't even comprehend it to the point that he could put it down to paper and there's so much subtext that's going on uh between those two men within that scene while they're creating a piece of art and then when we actually hear then uh in the next scene transition what that final piece actually sounds like with it all together it's just it, it it's brilliance it's like we just heard it in pieces, and then they played the music for the next scene transition. And I, I just got to just pay a special mention really quickly, and this is part of what I was saying before in terms of this movie being three hours long. The editing of this movie to make those transitions, to have the uh, the transitions also back to the uh, timeline with the priest, the voiceover, the music, overlaying everything. I mean, like, this movie is just so dynamic it's got so many moving parts going on but it just feels so fluid and going back to that scene again man i mean that that scene has it all 
right there. Writing, acting, um, like it's got it all. Oh, everything. Yeah, that that is my favorite scene in the whole film. It is just you know, and it's weird because it's not like this giant scene with a bunch of extras and a lot of different moving parts happening, or even like a uh, Oscar clip monologue moment or something like that. It's no. it's not that you know. No, it is two actors in a room, close proximity, but it's using the dynamic between those two actors and the relationship that these characters have in that moment. And like you said, mining that subtext and using the editing to figure out the right pacing to go back and forth and having the music come in with these seg- you know, these different sections so that it builds upon each other, upon themselves until you get to that end and that great transition with the full piece playing. And it's just, a marvel in filmmaking. It is just everything coming together to create a dynamic, uh, just this incredibly dynamic scene playing out in front of you with very simple things happening, but it packs such a powerful punch with it. Now, what I want to move over to at this point is I actually want to talk about the character of Salieri and his relationship to Amadeus Mozart and like what what is it what is it it ultimately means because it's it's very interesting to me every time i watch it how this man this man of virtue as he calls himself this man who did everything from the time of childhood he tried to do everything right not just uh for the world but also in god's eyes and he feels that mozart is this child this like brat who comes along and did not have the things that he had and instead Mozart had everything kind of handed to him almost it felt like on a silver platter and almost like though as if everything just naturally came easy for him where Salieri's had to kind of scratch and claw his way to get to where he is in his prominent position uh within the court of Emperor uh Joseph II played by Jeffrey Jones in this movie to have this guy just kind of come into his life, someone whose music he admires and he sees that he's not the same quality of gentleman, I guess is the word I'm looking for. I I just find that aspect of it to be so interesting because, I mean, who here has ever had, you know, who here has ever worked hard for something and then they just feel like it just got snatched away from them and they just like look at that person and they're like, oof, why you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially by a person who doesn't seem to appreciate the gifts that they have. And that's what's so fascinating about Salieri as a character, because he is somebody that understands that Mozart is a genius and he's incredibly talented and he's resentful of that talent. But he also understands that that talent can bring so much joy to people. And it's something that he hungers for and wants to respect. But at the same time, is incredibly resentful for it. And he's, I, I see this very deep running confliction that he honestly has with Mozart because he wants to like him, but he can't help but despise him at the same time. Right. And I think that's because of, you know, he wants to like him because he wants him to be, you know, to have be the, the pure, uh, you know, someone who almost like, flagellates themselves, you know, to where's the hair shirt, like Salieri at some points obviously seems to think he does, you know, for God to sacrifice and all of that. And Mozart doesn't do any of that, does all the opposite things. And so he wants him to be someone he can admire. And I think a lot of the resentment comes out of this fact that he is not. 
and he's not someone Salieri can admire or really even like because he's just such a bastard. <laughs> Mozart, I mean. Hey, everyone. Sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of our full review of 1984's Amadeus, part of the Next Best Picture podcast. In order to get the full review, you would have to head over to our Patreon page for Next Best Picture. Subscribe there for at least $1 minimum a month. You would get this review and other exclusive podcast content. So head on over there. Subscribe. We really appreciate your support. Other ways that you can support us is by writing us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. And you can subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Castbox, Acast, Apple Podcasts, and newly on Spotify. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.